Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poets' Corner. Today's feature is from Book 9, Part 26 of Milton's Paradise Lost. Podcast 243 is entitled Temptation of Adam B. Eve, beguiled by the serpent, has eaten of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now she must persuade Adam to eat the forbidden fruit. Otherwise, she will be expelled from the Garden of Eden and die alone, whereas Adam will remain behind forever like a child. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. To beguile means to delude or deceive through cunning. The serpent beguiled Eve, and Milton shows Eve beguiling Adam. The scope of Milton's genius is expressed in his magnum opus, Paradise Lost. Milton was a historical scholar. He was a biblical scholar. He was a literary scholar. He was a master of poetry, master storyteller, and a master at understanding human nature. He was blind when writing Paradise Lost, a testament to his massive memory. Milton brings Adam and Eve to life. He lifts them off the pages of the Bible and gives them flesh, blood, bones, brains, and feelings. He helps us to relate to our first parents. In Milton's epic, they are human, not mythical characters. He transports us into the garden with them and lets us experience the fall. I saw a comic strip decades ago that etched itself into my mind. A spaceship just landed on a new planet in another Garden of Eden. To the astronaut's horror, the new Eve had just plucked the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and was about to take a bite. The astronaut frantically ran toward Eve shouting, Stop! Stop! For heaven's sakes, don't eat the fruit! What impressed me about the cartoon was that the astronaut, with all the ignorance of a well-meaning liberal, entirely destroys God's plan of happiness for his children on that planet. He did what Satan himself didn't have the wisdom to do. He stopped the planet from being populated, and he stopped mankind from progressing and from ever achieving their potential. It would have been in Satan's interest never to have tempted Eve. Eve, who is now superior in knowledge, uses the following argument to persuade Adam to also eat the forbidden fruit. Thou therefore also taste, that equal lot may join us, equal joy as equal love, lest thou not tasting different degree disjoin us. And I then too late renounce deity for thee, when fate will not permit. Adam does not respond as Eve perhaps thought he would with her forceful argument. For the first time, Adam feels horror. We must remember that Adam had been tutored for many hours by Raphael about the dangers of eating the forbidden fruit. Eve, though she listened to parts, busied herself with tending the garden, which she loved. Also, The relationship between Adam and Eve has now dramatically changed. Before, Adam was perceived as the superior intellect. Now Eve really is the superior intellect and is counseling Adam. 
Adam innocently was perfectly content to remain in ignorant bliss in the Garden of Eden forever. Eve, on the other hand, though she has fallen, feels none of the horror and none of the regret, showing that she hasn't completely grasped the gravity of what she has done. Thus Eve, with countenance blithe, her story told, but in her cheek distemper flushing glowed. On the other side, Adam, soon as he heard the fatal trespass done by Eve, amazed, astonished, stood and blank, while horror chill ran through his veins and all his joints relaxed. From his slack hand the garland wreathed for Eve down dropped, and all the faded roses shed. Speechless he stood and pale, till thus at length, first to himself, he inward silence broke. Death first came to the rose, symbolizing Eve's eventual death, caused by her transgression. It is ironic that Adam, not Eve, is heartbroken. Because of the close tutoring by Raphael, Adam fully understands the gravity of Eve's deceit. The thought of being separated from Eve is devastating. Adam spent the morning gathering flowers for Eve. Now he thinks she is lost to him forever. You can hear the despair in his voice. O fairest of creation, last and best of all God's works, creature in whom excelled whatever can to fight or thought be found, holy, divine, good, amiable, or sweet, how art thou lost, how on a sudden lost, defact, deflowered, and now to death devote? Cunning Satan's disguise caught Eve entirely off guard. She had no clue that she had been deceived by the serpent. We must keep in mind that Adam and Eve have a veil drawn over their minds. They do not remember their former home or former existence with God. They only know what they had been taught after entering the Garden of Eden. Lucifer had no such veil drawn over his mind. Lucifer deceived Eve into thinking that it was the forbidden fruit that gave the serpent knowledge, when really it was Lucifer speaking through the serpent. Adam immediately perceives that she had been beguiled by Satan. Adam also perceives that it will bring about his own ruin. Rather, how hast thou yielded to transgression, the strict forbiddance, how to violate the sacred fruit forbidden? Some cursed fraud of the enemy hath beguiled thee, yet unknown, and me with thee hath ruined. For with thee certain my resolution is to die. It would be difficult in all literature to find a greater declaration of love than Adam's is to Eve in the following passage. The backdrop is the fall of man. The effects change the world forever, and it all hinges on the decision of two star-crossed lovers. Adam speaks. How can I live without thee? How forego thy sweet converse and love so dearly joined? To live again in these wild woods forlorn? Should God create another Eve, and I another rib afford, yet loss of thee would never from my heart. No, no, I feel the link of nature draw me, flesh of flesh, bone of my bone thou art, and from thy state my never shall be parted, bliss or woe. Never has man been more willing to give up everything for the woman he loves. This is the love scene of all love scenes. Nothing less than the fate of the entire human race is at stake. Eve hasn't grasped the gravity of it yet, but Adam has. Not only will they bring physical death into the world, 
but they will also bring spiritual death where Adam and Eve and all their posterity will be cut off from the presence of God forever, unless Christ intervenes. But Adam remains composed. So having said, as one from sad dismay recomforted, and after thoughts disturbed submitting to what seemed remediless, thus in calm mood his words to Eve he turned. Adam explains the gravity of what Eve has done. Bold deed thou hast presumed, adventurous Eve, and peril great provoked, who thus hath dared, had it been only coveting to eye that sacred fruit, sacred to abstinence, much more to taste it under ban to touch. Resigned to their fate, Adam begins to second-guess the consequences. He speculates that perhaps they will become gods, or at least demigods. But past, who can recall, or done, undo? Not God omnipotent. For fate, yet so perhaps thou shalt not die. Perhaps the fact is not so heinous now. For tasted fruit, profaned first by the serpent, by him first made common and unhallowed, ere one tastes. Nor yet on him found deadly, he yet lives, lives as thou sayest, and gains to live as man higher degree of life. Inducement strong to us, as likely tasting to attain proportional ascent, which cannot be but to be gods or angel demigods. Adam, contemplating the nature of God, continues to rationalize that perhaps God won't destroy them. That would make Satan the victor, and God would have to start all over again. Adam said, Nor can I think that God, creator-wise, though threatening, will in earnest so destroy us his prime creatures, dignified so high, set over all his works, which in our fall for us created, needs with us must fail, dependent made. So God shall uncreate, be frustrate, do undo, and labor lose, not well conceived of God, who though his power creation could repeat, yet would be loath us to abolish, lest the adversary triumph and say, Fickle their state, whom God most favors, whom can please him long. Me first he ruined, now mankind. Whom will he next matter of scorn, not to be given the foe? But Adam returns to the point. He has fixed his lot to live and die with Eve. Again, he declares his true love. Even the love sonnets of Shakespeare, though perhaps equal to, are not superior to Adam's love sonnet to Eve on this extraordinary occasion. Milton is driving home the fact that the first parents of the human race are the greatest model of filial love that can be found. He declares that they are one and cannot live apart. Milton is declaring that love between a husband and wife is perhaps the greatest love there is, and pure love is the perfect model for a happy home. He believed in the eternal nature of marriage and saw marriage as potentially the ideal life. Milton himself, however, was married three times. His first two wives died fairly young. Milton's marriages were not without severe trials. Historians write that Milton's third marriage was his happiest. His first wife left him but Milton could not get a divorce because of English laws. From that point on, Milton wrote pamphlets advocating for a change in divorce laws. His wife returned years later, and the marriage lasted until her death. 
Clearly, Milton is writing about the ideal marriage, for he was very experienced in the realities of incompatibility. Adam continues, However, I with thee have fixed my lot, certain to undergo like doom, if death consorts with thee, death is to me as life. So forcible within my heart I feel. The bond of nature draw me to my own, my own in thee, for what thou art is mine. Our state cannot be severed. We are one, one flesh. To lose thee were to lose myself. Eve is overjoyed with Adam's declaration of undying love. Eve, of course, was in an incredibly awkward position. Until this moment, she could not have comprehended the depth of Adam's feelings for her. She alone at this point has suffered the effects of the fall. Her eyes are opened. Adam's are not. Though one in love, they are now, because of the fall of Eve, worlds apart. If Adam had refused to die with Eve, both would have been destined to a life of loneliness. Eve would be left to die alone outside the Garden of Eden in a world like ours, filled with death. Adam would have been destined to live forever alone in the Garden of Eden. He would live forever in miserable felicity, longing for the companionship of Eve. Eve speaks. So Adam, and thus Eve to him replied, O glorious trial of exceeding love, illustrious evidence, example high, engaging me to emulate, but short of thy perfection, how shall I attain? Adam, from whose dear side I boast me sprung, and gladly of our union hear thee speak one heart, one soul in both. Whereof good proof this day affords, declaring thee resolved rather than death, or aught than death more dread shall separate us. Linked in love so dear, to undergo with me one guilt, one crime, if any be, of tasting this fair fruit. Whose virtue? For of good still proceeds direct, or by occasion hath presented this happy trial of thy love, which else so eminently never had been known. I am consistently amazed at Milton's genius. As Eve continues her response, the difference between the two caused by the fall is pronounced. Eve is more farsighted. Still, she has no remorse. Instead, she delights in the newness of her feelings and in her increased understanding. She begins to feel the effects of the fall as positive, not negative. Even the fear of death does not diminish the hope she feels for the future. Were it I thought death menaced would ensue this my attempt, I would sustain alone the worst, and not persuade thee, rather die deserted than oblige thee with a fact pernicious to thy peace. Chiefly assured, remarkably so late, of thy so true, so faithful love unequaled. But I feel far otherwise the event, not death, but life augmented, open eyes, new hopes, new joys, taste so divine, that what of some before hath touched my senses, flat seems to this and harsh. On my experience, Adam, freely taste, and fear of death, deliver to the winds. This could be entitled The Greatest Love Story of All Time. At this point, Adam's love is still platonic, for he does not know sensual love. Eve, however, has now eaten the forbidden fruit. A change has come over her body, and a new component is added to her love. 
and the knowledge that they will be able to have children. She leaves us with a message of hope. Tune in next Monday as we continue the epic story of the fall of man as interpreted by John Milton in his magnificent epic poem, Paradise Lost. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.